Welcome to the Ministry Story Podcast. Churches have the greatest story on the planet to tell. Let's explore some ways that we can do that with greater effectiveness, impact, and excellence. Welcome to the Ministry Story Podcast. Today is Monday, February the 7th, 2011. My name is David Tonin. I am your host for the podcast. And this morning, I have a special guest with me all the way from North Carolina. Would you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your ministry story? Absolutely. I am so pleased to be able to do this. I'm Mark McDonald, and I'm creative director at Pinpoint Creative Group in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And I guess a little bit about our ministry story is, uh, you know, we're... We're grounded in the middle of the South, which is, you know, the Bible Belt, and uh, we're really reaching out and trying to to impact churches for uh, to increase their uh, how dynamic they are in the um, in the world today. And I guess that as a branding agency, uh, we really specialize in making sure that we develop the the right brand for the church, and then making sure that it's as consistent as possible. And, of course, we also do um, some small and medium-sized business as well. So how was it that you got into yourself personally as a career? How, did, how was it you got into um, leveraging the passion you have and, and the knowledge and skill you have to actually decide to work with churches? Wow, that's a that's one of those questions where there's a really really long answer. But I guess that as um, as I wanted to be what we were calling a commercial artist at the time, all through high school, I went to a Christian school in uh, in New Brunswick actually, and uh, and I really wanted to get good solid training, and uh, ended up going to a Christian college and really started to, to realize, wow, the church really needs to hear this, even though I was studying to, to work with business. Um, and then as I, I started to climb my way up through various uh, ad agencies, I realized that uh, how much more important it was to take some of these really simple concepts that business world has caught on to and, uh, and really take them to, to a, a, a Christian audience. And uh, and uh, and it was kind of through a, a really interesting. I had a job offer in Kelowna, British Columbia, and we looked at it in British Columbia, and then I had a job offer down here in North Carolina as, as VP of Marketing, and uh, and God just seemed to open the doors this way. We came down here, and when my contract was up, I I realized I really need to to target because I knew God wanted me to to use what I had learned through all those years of, of uh, ad agency stuff to, to take it to the church. That's great. And uh, you and I have a very similar heartbeat and passion to work with pastors and church leaders, which is, which is great. Now, I am a little curious, and some of my listeners will be as well, is you identified yourself as a Maritimer. You want to describe for those who don't know what a Maritimer is and give us a little bit of your connection here to the Maritimes in Canada. A Maritimer is one of the greatest persons on earth. Um, <laughs> and really, I, I, I'm amazed every time that I ever say a Maritimer, I always have to stop, of course, and say that means the Atlantic Canadi- Canadian region. Um, and uh, then even if I get a little bit of that quizzical look, I always say 
Now imagine if you go up New England and how Maine comes to a point. If you were to continue Maine along, there's New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, and that's the maritime region. That's right. And it's usually only after I say Nova Scotia and Prince Edward Island that people say, oh, I know where that is. That's right. Somehow or another, Nova Scotia is more on the map in the U.S. than New Brunswick is. It really is. And, uh, and I mean, I, I used to work on the the New Brunswick tourism account, and that just pains me to know that it's still the perception of, of New Brunswick is the drive-through province. Right. So you you are you did you live here in the Maritimes? I did. I grew up in the Maritimes. I grew up in Fredericton, New Brunswick, and uh, and then um, after college, I moved back to Moncton, New Brunswick, and uh, and that's where I I mean I I am a Maritimer through and through. I always say you cut me and I bleed Canadian blood. Amen to that, brother. <laughs> now you you referred to a, a college that you went to up here. Which one was that? No, it wasn't actually up there. I, I actually came to South Carolina and went okay. to uh, Bob Jones University. Okay. So now, um, when I just find it interesting, for those of you who don't know, Mark and I have never met, even though we have this maritime bond. Uh, what's interesting is is that we met through Twitter, and I honestly can't remember how that happened exactly. But um, what I love about Twitter is that it's given me personally, and you probably have a similar experience, it's given me an opportunity to connect with like-minded Christian leaders across the globe um, and and have conversations. And we started, when we started our conversation before we recorded this morning, uh, we said we feel like we know each other just because we've been reading each other's blogs and looking at each other's stuff and following each other on on Twitter. And it's just amazing that you can feel like you know someone when you have never even met, and this is our first time actually talking voice-to-voice. That's true. I, I'm amazed at, number one, the skepticism that people have of Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and Plaxo and all of them, um, it, because as soon as you jump onto it and you really want to uh, develop some relationships, I'm amazed at the, the people that I get to meet on Twitter and, and Facebook. And I guess that um, even if I use Twitter, as I do oftentimes, just to learn an awful lot of information that's being uh, poured out freely from people, um, you know, I, I guess that there's some people that I have the relationship that I just really respect them, and and I, I always wonder, will they ever talk back to me if I ever tweet them? Hmm. Some people don't, but uh, some people really do, and and it's a it's a great opportunity. And if people aren't on Twitter... They really need to get onto it. It's it the, the setup costs are nothing. It's free, so jump onto it. And of course, uh, friend David Tonin, which is uh, Twitter at David Tonin, and then also uh, Mark Mac ten twenty three. That's and right. The ten twenty three is my birthday, so people can send gifts. Excellent. I'll I'll make sure that goes in the show notes. <laughs> When, when I invited you to join me here on the podcast, you you responded to me that your real passion is helping churches understand their brand and being consistent with that. Um, that, of course, resonates completely with how I approach things here at Ministry Story. But can I ask you uh, to define branding so a pastor or church lay leader can understand what it is? Yeah, and branding is has become a buzzword, and it's really only become a buzzword um, in the last 10 years since we set up uh, Pinpoint. And and it's interesting, when I sit down with churches and ministries, there's always that 
um, perception in their minds what marketing is, and marketing is just to make money, and it's in the in the commercial world. And I guess that you know we talked a little bit about me being a maritimer, and and when I'm uh, communicating to, I mean, I, I speak all across the country now, and and as soon as I say I'm a Canadian. Um, all of a sudden there is a perception, an instant perception that just hits everyone's mind. And, and I, I mean, the joy of being a Canadian is oftentimes people will relate to me that the perception of a Canadian is, wow, you're just such nice people, which at that point I, I raise my little Canadian flag and, and holler woohoo. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but people who have had other occurrences and, and, uh, uh, they know some other Canadians, maybe they might not have that same perception. And I guess that um, when we think about brand, every church, as soon as you say you're a church, there's a perception and there's a reputation. And that whole adage of perception is reality, it really is reality in their minds because they they truly believe it. And that that reputation, that perception, and that reality that's in their minds is essentially your brand. You know, I like to say that it's it's a story. Um, it's the promise that you've made to other people so that it sticks in their mind that when I interact with this group of people, it's going to be delivered to me. And that's the brand. Yeah, and I, I think you've basically covered a lot of it. And I think the word promise is a very key component to that because what is it that you and the services you provide and or what the perceived services you provide are, what is the promise that that delivers? And that's going to de- determine how someone reacts with your brand a little bit or reacts with your organization. And what often I think happens is that in the church, people don't realize as uh, significantly how different groups of people and different demographics and even different regions of the country, you'll have sort of a, a perception and a, that people have already with church that makes them think, okay, from my personal past experience, this is the promise that I think that a church delivers. And quite often they don't realize that your church may deliver a different um, experience or have a different um, reputation than what they had experienced in their past. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, as soon as somebody says church, it evokes so much emotion in everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, either there's going to be hatred, there's going to be anger, there's going to be a misperception, or they're going to say, oh man, you know what? When my mother died or when my father died, the church just wrapped its arms around me and there's there's you know, a, a wonderful emotional response to the word church. And it doesn't matter what type of church you are or what comes before the word church. Um, I mean, there is a perception and there's a reputation that either you have to change or you have to build upon. And, and until the pastors start realizing um, what the reputation and perception is in the community that they live in, uh, it's it's almost impossible for you to to build any type of a brand. I agree, and you know you referred to a positive experience there, but you also have lots of people that will look back to their past and say, 
my interaction with the church was really negative. When I needed the most, they judged me or they weren't there for me or they left me or, you know, or I saw scandal or, or hypocrisy in some way that they judge a church. And then as a result, their um, expectation of, the, of a church is very negative. Absolutely. And, and when you start, um, it, it's kind of like when, uh, when a court case is going on and they bring someone to the stand and they say that, you know, this is not going to be a friendly occur, uh, encounter. I guess that you have to treat people differently when there is a, a negative uh, perception or a negative reputation for the church. And in some sense, though, it's easier to assume that that's what's out there and then say, okay, but who are we really? And then how do we make sure that we cross the bridge from taking somebody from from being that uh, negative witness on the stand to realizing, no, this isn't what we actually were trying to do, or the things that have happened in your past and the church experience that you had in the past, we aren't that type of church. Uh, you know, we worked with a church here that, uh, you know, we, we created a brand for them that uh, this isn't your grandparents' church. Mm -hmm. And uh, because a lot of people in the community, it was like, you know what, as an Xer or, you know, whatever generation, the younger generation that they were talking to, they they knew that the perception was, I went to church with my grandparents and that's not the type of church I want to go to now. And this church said, you know what, we're going to be different. We're going to be so totally different from the, the church of the of the grandparents era that, you know, we want to just shout it from the housetops. And what they did was they did a, a six week, really, uh, uh, focused campaign where they targeted those people, the younger people. And they, with the, you know, this isn't your grandparents church. And, uh, in six weeks, they, they wanted to increase by 25% and they ended up increasing by 200%. Wow. So, um, and when we talked to them afterwards, they said, well, obviously we got the message right. We got the pure benefit here that um, people are craving church today, but they're not craving the reputation of the church. And we need to make sure that we rebrand the church somehow. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I think that people are craving spirituality. They're searching for something because our culture is not giving them the hope and the peace and the purpose that they really long for, but they don't think, in a lot of cases, they don't think the church is the answer to that just from their historical experience. That's true. And, you know, the, the you know, the quote, and I'm not sure even who said it, how that there's a God-sized hole in everyone's heart. Um, I mean, I don't know how people do it without God. I don't know how they do life without God because there's so many times that I just have to say, you know what, I'm just going to I'm going to go to that peaceful moment of prayer where I can say, okay, God, you are in control of everything that I am, everything that's going on around me. And and I know that people who I've talked to who don't like the church, they love when I talk about that peace that I can find with God. And and that's the scary thing right now is that how does the church overcome all of those perceptions? And the only way you can do that is through good, solid branding. I agree. Now, 
what does a church, where do you start with a church when they say, okay, we, we understand what you're saying. Um, we need some help in, um, in recrafting our brand or our image. Where do you start? Well, we actually, we call us our three simple things. And our three simple things that we want to talk about is audience first. Identify that audience because the audience is the one who it's brand comes from the audience. Brand doesn't really come from the, the organization. And however the audience is perceived and the more targeted you can get in that audience um, so that because if you just say, okay, the church is for everyone, I guess that problem with that is, and, and I know problem is probably not the greatest word there, but the problem with that is that we're talking about two different things. The church, the, the gathering of everyone who is a believer of Christ, yes, it is for everyone. Christ died for all. However, the local church needs to be more targeted. That's why we call it local. Okay. So the more the more targeted you can become in that in that local and knowing who you're actually trying to deal with locally, uh, the easier it is for you to develop the second uh, simple thing, which is the product. Well, before like, what be, are you gonna... be, before we move to product, because um, I, I want to cover those things, but I don't know we're going to have time. But I do want to zero in a little bit more on the target market thing, um, because I, I have the same struggle in conversation with a lot of leaders as, as to what you've just defined there, which is that pastors and church leaders will say that we're here for, to reach everyone. So then if that isn't what you're saying, I mean, you are spiritually, that is true. We are here to reach everyone. But in order to target, how do you do that? Well, you just don't care about uh, like three quarters of the people. No, that's not it at all. <laughs> I mean, because that, that's the perception is, wow, if we really target the youth, then are we saying that the seniors are insignificant? Well, that's not the case. And and there are parts of North America where you travel and there's very few churches. In our neck of the woods, there is a church on every corner. And um, I just I start wondering how on earth are is do we sustain all these churches, especially when the churches are just all kind of doing the same stuff, mm. um, you know praise God that, that the local church survives, but the local church can survive even better if they truly reach out to a specific group of people. It's not to say that if you reach out to the youth that the seniors go by the wayside. You can still have a seniors ministry, but ultimately the core of that church um, is based on what that core group of people like. There's always going to be the other people and other demographics, other psychographics that, that cling to that and say, wow, that, I really respond to that style of music or that, that you know, casual teaching style. And they'll want to come along, too. And then, you know, it, there's, it's very rare that any church ever targets one group of people and stays only in that group of people. There will always be people that are multi-generational. Yeah, and I would agree with that, you know. And this is where you just where there's a lot of education and pastors have to shift their thinking a little bit. Like, for example, when my wife and I were part of a church planning team six years ago, and yes, we were there to reach as many people in our city as possible. But the reality was 
We were a demographic ourselves. Our church planning team was a team of six, which is not big, I realize. But our church planning team was a team that was comprised of people that were primarily between 35 and 40, and we had young kids in our group. So it was natural that we would probably connect best with people who were like us in the same demographic. So our goal was to target people in our community who were married couples between 25 and 40 with kids under the age of 10. And um, certainly that is who we've done all our focused uh, outreach to. But we've we've seen a huge response from people outside of that, you know, target demographic. We've got a lot of the older folks in our church as well, and they have gravitated to the church for a variety of different reasons. But it has nothing to do with the fact that we've been ignoring them. No, exactly. And the adage, birds of a feather flock together, certainly works. I mean... The, the people that you want to hang out with are oftentimes very close to you in some some sense, whether it's a demographic or a psychographic where, I mean, that's why you want to hang out with them. I mean, people don't set out to be friends with people that aren't totally like them. I mean, oftentimes, sometimes opposites do attract, but, but most times the people that, that come together as a really you know, a, a fellowship group or a care group or even sometimes Sunday school groups in, in some of these churches, the reason why is because you identify with them by age or by what you do or your kids. And and the more that a church realizes that if you have some really strong core groups and you develop them and and not think about diversity all the time, you really need to focus on certain groups those strong core groups will help build your church. I agree. And that, that core group is, if you leverage that from a outreach perspective and from a church growth perspective and trying to reach people outside of your church in that same core group demographic, um, what you're doing is you're actually maximizing the use of your human resources because they are your best marketing tool, really, because they have uh, already a huge network of people through their neighbors and their friends and their colleagues that they work with that are all in a similar sort of demographic as them, correct? Absolutely. And and just getting back to that sim- second simple thing, as soon as you understand your audience, you can, you can identify closer to uh, what they're looking for, what your product's going to be. So the second one is, is that that product, and that product needs to be focused directly at that targeted audience. And and then as soon as you have a product that obviously a targeted audience wants, we want to connect those two things, and it's what they do in the commercial world to, you know, I want to sell this product. Well, as a church, if you have a product that you know that your targeted audience wants to have, all you have to do is connect it with a straight line, which is the fastest distance between two points, and that straight line is the third thing, which is a benefit, and you just have to make sure that you stop talking about the features of your product and you really focus in on what are the core benefits of my target audience reaching that product. Oh, I like that because that really connects with the person that you're trying to reach with what their real need is, correct? Oh, absolutely, and, and again, the commercial world does it wrong most times and the Christian world does it wrong almost all the time where we just want to list 
over and over about all the features that we have as a church. Well, we have Sunday school, and we have choir, and we have ample parking, and we have lots of service times, and it goes on and on and on, and you keep telling them all these features, but what you're doing is you're forcing your targeted audience to convert those to a benefit. So if you hear we have lots of service times, you can think, oh, I could sleep in in the morning and come later. Well, rather than talking about making forcing them to make that conversion to the benefit the church really strongly has to uh, take some benefit claims and say this is the reason why you want our product and that's where you get into positioning yeah and as much as i really want to talk about positioning and i had a few questions built built around that i think we're going to have to save that for another time so why don't we just wrap up a little bit by talking a little bit more about the focus need that are in our community and how you identify that? Because I think that is it is the key here. You're right. Most churches always talk about what they have to offer, but the person who isn't a church person can't wrap their mind around how that actually meets them where they're at. So how do you how do you define relevance for a church? Wow, that's a big question. Um, Maybe two. And I guess that, that that's where the, the pastor needs to interact with the community as much as possible, mm-hmm. uh, get out and talk to them, uh, figure out who it is that is their core groups. Oftentimes, if it's an existing church, they need to take a look at the demographics and the psychographics of their church, um, and then start, you know, we love focus groups where okay, you have a a targeted audience, well, choose six, eight, maybe ten, not too much more than that, people in your targeted group. Um, Talk to the people that are in your church out of that that targeted group. Talk to them about what, what they like about your church, what are the key benefits that they're receiving from your church. And then pull in a group of totally unchurched people, people that um, that, that aren't attached at all to your church and possibly to any church, and uh, and then start hearing them out, seeing what benefits actually uh, they respond to and which which are the ones that um, you have more conversation about because the ones that you have the most conversation about them, those are the, those are the ones that um, probably strike some type of an emotional chord on, on their part. And then, you know, just start listing all those benefits and 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 get together and just really try to focus in on to what some of the key benefits are for your church over another local church in your area. Obviously, the the core benefit of a church is that we bring people to Christ. We bring people to the gospel that that is going to change who they are and the world around them. And um, and most people realize that about a church, most people that have, have grown up in, in any community. Um, so that I wouldn't necessarily say that that is your key benefit that's going to set you apart from everybody else, but every benefit of your church should pull people towards Christ. You know what? I could sit here and talk with you for another 30 minutes about this, and then we'd still probably run out of time. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have to ask you to come back and join me again sometime, Mark. I would love to do that. Yeah, I think we'll definitely make that happen. Uh, Before we wrap up today, could you just provide people a little bit of information about where they can connect with you online? Well, the best place is at pinpointcreative.com. That's P 
P-I-N-P-O-I-N-T, creative.com. And, uh, and then also on Twitter, I'm at markmac1023, and then also on Facebook, facebook.com slash pinpointcreative. Excellent. Thanks again for making the time in your busy schedule to join us and share a little bit of your wisdom. And uh, I'll make sure that we make a, an appointment for a future date where we can bring you back and we can talk a little bit more about positioning and uh, and some stuff around logos and stuff because I think that's important too. But I think we've opened up a good topic here on branding and targeting, and I think that'll help our audience. And so thank you very much. Lord bless you. Thank you for joining us for today's Ministry Story Podcast. Feel free to post any comments you may have on ministrystory.com. Our podcast theme song is Could This Be the End of the Hiding by The Contact, who can be found at thecontactmusic.com. Please join us every Monday for another inspirational conversation designed to increase ministry effectiveness as we share the greatest story ever told.